January 3rd, 2016. That has to be the last time that I watched a, a Jets game with this much either excitement or, or stress, however you want to categorize it, but this much emotion and this much on the line with the Jets game, or, or at least that that's the first date that comes to mind, the week 17 of the 2015 season when they finished up in Buffalo. Jets lost by five. Ryan Fitzpatrick throws the three interceptions in the fourth quarter, and the Jets miss out on making the playoffs. But the, the rush of emotions that I felt against the Raiders, the excitement on some of the good plays for the Jets, the equal excitement on some of the bad plays, and the, the strong urge that I had for the Jets to lose in this game. The pressure, the urgency, the, the need that I had for them to lose. And the excitement I had when the Raiders scored that touchdown at the game, I, I I felt gross as as my emotions kind of settled down as we moved away from the game. I mean, I, I'm sure we've all gotten some sort of pleasure in our lives where we were feeling excitement and joy from doing something that might go against our morals. And after having some time to think about it and reflect on it, your conscience kind of kicks in and, and you feel a little, a little dirty about it. But if your goal as a Jets fan right now is to get the number one draft pick, did you not feel that way a little bit against the Raiders? Like, you felt you felt that need to lose the game, but you also felt really bad about rooting against your team? Did you not feel the excitement, feel the joy, feel a sense of relief when Lamar Jackson got beat by Henry Ruggs III for a 46-yard touchdown score? And did you not feel at least a little bit bad for rooting against your team in that situation. Last time I felt that type of emotion watching a Jets game was was week 17 of the 2015 season. But the last time that I felt that much immediate excitement at the end of a Jets game was probably week 16 of the 2015 season when the Jets beat the Patriots in overtime. They got to that 10-5 and record, and they looked like they were set to make the playoffs, but... The difference is here, the excitement lasted all day in 2015. It lasted into the week as they moved closer towards that final game against Buffalo. As they moved closer to what I I thought was going to be a postseason berth. But this time, the excitement lasted just a few minutes before my conscience kicked in and I felt dirty before I felt morally wrong about rooting against the team that I've rooted for my entire life. Yuck. The Jets should have won that game. They they played well enough to win. They played hard. Sam Darnold was, was competent. At times he was even good. The defense was good at times if we ignore the final play of the game. The Jets might be better, and they are. But they're going to play hard because they don't want to go 0-16. That's a mark on on everybody's resume that that no player, no coach wants. 0-16 is a very rare embarrassment. Team, teams will quit if they have one or two wins. You'll see players, if you're heading towards a 1-15, 2-14 season, you'll see players quit. But nobody wants to go 0-16. These players very much want to avoid being part of history 
in terms of going 0-16. The one exception might be Greg Williams. Because Greg Williams, on the other hand, I, I'm i not sure what his goals and desires are right now. And, and here's the thing. Look, I hate the prevent defense. I hate it in terms of having a multi-score lead and making the decision to trade yards and even points for time off the clock. The idea of letting a team get back into a game in exchange for time isn't a strategy that I'm ever comfortable with. I hated it when Rex Ryan did it. I always wanted to put pressure on the opposition and make the quarterback as uncomfortable as possible. But if you're doing it on the final play of the game, seconds to go from nearly midfield, taking your defense off the line of scrimmage and and throwing extra safeties in the backfield, that's not a prevent defense. Uh, On the last play of the game, what are you doing trying to play man on a guy like Henry Ruggs III? What are you doing going cover zero and giving no help in the backfield, no help toward the end zone? What are you doing not guarding against the touchdown? An absolutely stunning play call by Greg Williams to go cover zero when you know the Raiders essentially need a Hail Mary to win the game. And in general, I I don't believe in tanking either. I don't believe in conspiracies. I don't believe in players or coaches quitting because there's just too much on the line in terms of them being professionals, in terms of them needing to answer those questions when trying to get new contracts and trying to get new jobs and trying to get hired elsewhere during the offseason. But if it ever looked like somebody quit and was trying to lose on purpose, It was Greg Williams with 13 seconds to go in the fourth quarter and the Jets needing to give up a touchdown to lose, and he decides to go cover zero with his defense. Adam Gase does not want to go 0-16 because he might never get another job in this league again. As young of a coach as he is, 0-16 might ruin his career. He might not get an offensive coordinator job a quarterback's coach job because of the way he ruins Sam Darnold. And if he goes 0-16, who's going to hire him? Gase, he doesn't want this on his resume. Joe Douglas doesn't want this on his resume. Players don't want it on their resume. But the one person that might not care is Greg Williams. It It's possible that Greg Williams, as competitive of a a person as a coach that he is, it's possible that Greg Williams does not care about having an 0-16 season on his resume because he already has an 0-16 season on his resume. He was the defensive coordinator of the Cleveland Browns three years ago when they went 0-16 and had the worst-ranked defense in in the league. Greg Williams was part of that team And he got no blame for it. After that season, everybody still looked at him as a very, very good defensive coordinator. And he had no problem getting another job. He had no no problem getting other job offers. So if Greg Williams truly does not like and does not get along with Adam Gase, which it kind of seems like that's the case right now, if that is the truth, It's possible that Greg Williams wants an 0-16 season on Gase's resume because he knows that that 0-16 season might ruin Gase's career. 
but it's not going to do anything to him personally. He he already has the 0-16 season under his belt, and he's been unaffected by it. I don't know. I just I, I can't figure out why he would go cover zero in that situation, why he would call an all-out blitz in a situation where you're protecting against the Hail Mary and, and you're not protecting against anything else. It was a, a baffling play call, but... In the end, it's exactly what Jets fans needed. Take a quick break on the Brandon Cottage Jets podcast. We're back after this. When I, I start to feel guilty for rooting against the Jets, and I, I absolutely felt guilty the way the way that I was so excited about the fact that they lost this game against the Raiders. Minutes later, I felt awful about myself. But when I start to feel that way, I kind of I find some solace in blaming the Jets because it really is their fault. Like I I don't want to be in this position. I have no desire to be rooting against the team that I love. They they are the ones that put us as Jets fans in this position. This position of feeling uncomfortable about potentially getting a win on the season. Feeling uneasy when the Jets have the lead, rather than the fact that, like, we should be excited if Sam Darnold, our 23-year-old first-round draft pick of a quarterback, if he's playing well, we should get to be excited about that. Think about that. A a 23-year-old quarterback, a top-three draft pick, and if he plays well right now, we're forced to be uneasy. We're forced to be uncomfortable and be upset about it. And that's, that's not a spot that any Jets fan wants to be in. But it's the spot that we are in, and it's the Jets' fault. It's their fault for not building around Darnold. It's their fault for, for not protecting him. For not maybe for not firing Todd Bowles after they drafted him. And and prioritizing getting Darnold in an offensive system that he could develop in right from the get-go as a rookie quarterback. It's their fault for hiring the worst head coach in football a year later after they finally decided to fire Todd Bowles. For firing the general manager that hired that worst head coach in football just a couple months later. None of of this incompetence is our fault as Jets fans. But at the same time, here I am feeling guilty about it. Maybe... Maybe I'm too nice because I, I on social media, like, I, I don't get the feeling. I get the feeling that there are a lot of Jet fans that are rooting against this team. I don't get the feeling that there are a lot of Jets fans that feel bad about rooting against the team. And how about Adam Gase coming out last week and finally putting some blame on himself for the situation that this team is in right now. And then a day later, he throws Mike McCagnan under the bus, which was it, what he said wasn't wrong, but it was just like the irony of finally accepting some blame for the situation this team is. And then 24 hours after that, he he throws the blame at, at somebody else. But the admission of doing a bad job with Darnold was shocking. And I'll, I'll paraphrase, but essentially Gay said that I came to the Jets to develop Darnold and I haven't been able to do it. A shocking admission from the Jets head coach. I mean, it's incredibly factual. We all have seen it. We're all aware of it. 
but Gase, who notoriously accepts zero blame for anything, for him to come out and say that he hasn't developed Darnold was a shocker. And I would have expected him to just kind of say, like, he didn't draft Darnold. He's not responsible for Darnold being here. Darnold was maybe a little bit overrated as a prospect. And that maybe he would have taken Patrick Mahomes the year before if he was the person running the Jets. Like, I I would expect those types of admissions from Adam Gase. And he kind of did that a little bit the next day. After accepting some blame with Darnold, he took a shot at Mike McCagnon, saying the 2016 draft class should be the heart of the current Jets roster, but instead Jordan Jenkins is the only player that's still on the roster from that draft. And look, he's not entirely wrong. It's an incredible indictment on Mike McCagnon, the fact that that entire draft class minus Jordan Jenkins is gone. And that was the year that he drafted Christian Hackenberg in the second round. Which drafting Hackenberg also caused the Jets to essentially feel that there was no need for them to even consider taking Patrick Mahomes the next year in 2017 because they had Christian Hackenberg as their future quarterback. It's brutal. But as long as we're talking about failed franchise quarterbacks, Sam Darnold played okay against the Raiders. 14 for 23, 186 yards, two touchdowns, two turnovers, of course, through his first touchdown pass in 10 weeks. Not not exactly a, a rousing performance from a third-year quarterback. But the fact that it comes across as a, a bounce-back effort for Darnold just shows how bad that he's been. When you see other, uh, when you see Baker Mayfield throwing four touchdown passes in the first half, and then we're getting giddy over 14 pass completions from Sam Darnold, it, it just shows you where he is compared to the rest of the young quarterbacks in the NFL. But I'll say this about Sam. I think he is an example of the difference between what is toughness and what is an injury-prone quarterback. Because Darnold's been in the league for three seasons, and he's missed time for injury in each of those three seasons, including some strange reasons, like Mono last year. And by year three, Darnold is now showing a track record of being injury-prone. And while that might mean that you cannot count on him every single week, you can't rely on him to last an entire season without missing a couple of games, a couple of weeks, but that doesn't mean that he's not a tough player. Because if he can play, if he's cleared, if he can convince the coaches and doctors to let him play, he's going to play. And the fact that he is here on a brutal team, a team that's destined for 0-16, 1-15 at best, He's watching his value as a quarterback diminish by the play that he's out on the field. But he's still out there trying to make plays, so give him credit for that. He's trying to extend plays, and specifically on the touchdown run against the Raiders, when he goes head first and just takes out Jeff Heath as if he was a tight end. You can question Darnold's reliability, but you can't question his toughness. Darnold might be fragile, but he's not soft. And I think we forget that sometimes. I think we forget that players can be tough and still injury prone. Sam has this narrative of being soft and it's wrong. 
And he deserves credit for that. Credit for being a player that's willing to put it all on the line. Even for an 0-16 team that's ready to jettison him at the end of the season. I also, I, I would have stopped using Frank Gore weeks ago. Mostly in favor of LaMichael P. Ryan, but, but against the Raiders. Ty Johnson also reminded us how bad of a coach Adam Gase is. You have a you have a 23-year-old running back who can run an unofficial 4.240, and he has eight carries on what was, at the time, an 0-11 team. Eight. That's it. And meanwhile, 37-year-old Frank Gore has like 140 carries on the year. Gase takes blame for not developing Sam Darnold, but what about every other offensive player who ever stepped in the Jets' locker room under Gase's leadership? Johnson gets a chance on Sunday, and he runs for over 100 yards. Why, why was Week 13 the first time that he's getting this opportunity, when, when essentially a 37-year-old has been the Jets' number one running back all year? Gase just again proved his ineptitude with game planning, with play calling, with developing players, organizing the depth chart. It's all encompassing for what is the worst head coach in the National Football League. I also, I wonder what this season would have been like with fans in the stands. And I especially, I wonder what this particular game would have been like with fans in the stands. MetLife holds like around 80,000 fans. So you figure at 0-11, a sunny 40-degree day in December against the Raiders, the Jets would still draw probably around 40,000 if there wasn't a global pandemic. So what would those 40,000 fans sound have sounded like watching the Jets rally back and take the 28-24 lead with five minutes to go and the, and the Jaguars at the same time tied with the Minnesota Vikings? So Jets fans are just watching the number one pick slip by. Are, are they cheering at that? What about when the, the Jets stopped the Raiders on fourth down with, with less than two minutes to go in the game? Are, are Jets fans cheering or booing at that point? What about when the Raiders get the ball back and connect on a 46-yard touchdown pass to win the game in the Meadowlands at MetLife? Inside the what is the Jets' supposed home stadium? Bringing Trevor Lawrence one step closer to the Jets at that point. What, what are fans in the sta- stadium doing then? It would have been demoralizing for the players, for the Jets players. And as as much as I'm sold that Sam Darnold is gone at the end of the year, and deservedly so, I, at the same time, I, I don't wish having I, I don't wish having to answer questions about Jets fans rooting for him to lose. I don't wish that on him. I, I don't wish having to answer questions about Jets fans booing when he scores a touchdown. I don't wish that on him. If the Jets are going to go 0-16, if Darnold's career as a Jet is going to implode, let it be without fans at MetLife. And there was there was maybe a minute stretch there when the Raiders gave the ball back to the Jets with, with less than two minutes to go where I thought I was going to have to do an entire podcast solely on the fact that the Jets just blew it with Trevor Lawrence. That Sam Darnold is coming back, that he won the opportunity to come back for another season. And who knows what happens with Adam Gase now that the Jets have won a game. 
But Darnold is going to be the Jets quarterback again. The Jets are going to finish 1-15 and and lose out on the number one pick. They're probably going to trade down, let somebody else take Justin Fields, get more draft picks that turn into nothing, stockpile draft picks, and look like 2014 under John Itzik, draft 12 players, all busts. Take another season to figure out that Sam Darnold is not a franchise quarterback. Another year of limbo with the team. Another year of limbo with the quarterback. Watch Trevor Lawrence turn into a star somewhere else. Like passing on Dan Marino. Like watching Peyton Manning going back to school. Like saying no thanks to Patrick Mahomes. We have Christian Hackenberg. At 28-24. And the Raiders failing on fourth down with less than two minutes left. That's how my mind was racing. But Greg Williams and his cover zero defense had other plans. If only Mike Glennon with the Jaguars could have helped give a little bit of a buffer for next week. Thanks for listening to the Brandon Contest Jazz Podcast. And as always, be good.